apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of home ownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Mac Home Mortgage, and Equal Housing Lender, American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Mac Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L, call for additional details. Jones there had first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is, av- is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is, since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him, he taps it in off the glass. Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. It's two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Welcome to Sports Talk with RJ. I am Steve Risser, along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And we got super wild card weekend this week this weekend as as we got six teams playing in the wild card round. You got the Giants there for the first time since 2016. You got a great matchup between the Bucks and Cowboys. You got a divisional matchup between the Niners and the Sea and the Niners and the Seahawks. You got two divisional matchups in the AFC between the Bills and Dolphins and the Ravens and the Bengals. And then you got an interesting matchup in the AFC with two of the top young quarterbacks in the league. With with uh, Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence, but we got to start with my Giants, who are in the playoffs for the first time in in six years. The, the Giants and Vikings, uh, they, they face off with each other. Uh, the the uh, Vikings uh, come in at thirteen and four. They are they are they were eleven and zero in one score games this year. The Giants, uh, they've they've had a very surprising season. Brian Dayball has done an outstanding job with this Giants team. The Giants are. Uh, Giants are nine seven and one coming into the game, and uh, this is a uh, this is a rematch of a week fifteen matchup between these two teams, uh, which was a really good game, a game that the Giants, in my opinion, should have won. I mean, a game that if it wasn't for the Daniel Bellinger fumble in the second quarter and for the block punt in that game, the Giants would have won that game. The game was decided on a sixty one yard field goal. So in this game, I think this is going to be a really really close competitive game. I think Daniel Jones is going to have another really good game, and he's going to have another good game through the air. 
I think Saquon Barkley is going to be pretty good as well, even though the Vikings are better against the run than they are against the pass. And I do think the Vikings will move the ball. But I think in this game, the difference is going to be the Giants are really going to focus on containing Justin Jefferson. I think they'll take their chances with Dalvin Cook. And the Vikings might the Vikings might move the ball. But I think what they're going to do in this game is they're going to contain Justin Jefferson. TJ Hawkinson might have another big game. And Dalvin Cook might have a good game too. But I think the Giants limit the production from, from uh, Justin Jefferson. I think that, uh, that the difference in this game is I think when the Giants get into the red zone, they score touchdowns. And the Vikings will uh, will kick field goals. And that's why at the end of the day, I got the Giants winning their first playoff game since they won the Super Bowl back in 2011 against the Patriots. I got the Giants getting revenge on the Vikings from Week 15, beating the Vikings 24-23. to But, Justin, can Kirk Cousins get his second playoff win? Now I get the Giants as well getting the road upset 20-23. to You know, for – for Cousins, you know, that offense, I think they're going to move the ball. You know, the Giants secondary at times has had their issues. And, yeah, as you mentioned, you know, Jefferson and Hawkinson had, you know, they torched them the first time around. I think, you know, he'll be able to, you know, Cousins be able to spread the ball around. And um, that Vikings offense should be able to move the football against the Giants. Um, but, yeah, I think it comes down to a Kirk Cousins turnover. Um, you know, both these teams are really good at know- knowing how to close out games. They both are, you know – had two of the best records in one score games. Um, but I, I think, I think the giants stopped the run enough in this one and cousins makes it, you know, has show, you know, he'll, he'll make that like a one big interception that he shouldn't throw or something like that. And the Vikings get held to a couple of field goals in the red zone. Giants are able to capitalize off some touchdowns. And I, I think the giants find a way to win um, th- this game on the road. Yeah, you talked about the one-score game. That's the storyline. The, Gi- the Vikings, as I said earlier, 11-0 in one-score games. The Giants, 8-4-1. and And that's counting that Dallas game on Thanksgiving where they scored a garbage-time touchdown with a one-score game. It's really 8-3-1 and one in, runs, in one-score game. So these teams have been phenomenal in one-score games. They played against each other, and that was a one-score game. So I think, I, I think this game is definitely cu- coming down to the wire. But, yeah, I, I think I think you, in this game, you take the quarterback that's going to make less mistakes. And Daniel Jones has just not made a ton of mistakes this year. He only has five interceptions. I think eight total turnovers all year. Kirk Cousins, he's thrown 14 interceptions. So, Kirk Cousins is definitely the mistake-prone quarterback. And I think an underrated thing people aren't talking about in this game is that Brian O'Neill, the Vikings tackle, he's out. I think Ojolari and uh, and Thibodeau uh, are going to get pressure on, especially in the red zone. So, they might force a mistake or force the Vikings to take a field goal when they get down into the red zone. So, I, th- I think that they're, I think the Giants are going to get more pressure on Kirk Cousins and the Vikings will on Daniel Jones. So I, I, I think I think it's going to come down to the quarterback that makes less mistakes. And I think it's going to be the Giants quarterback. I think it's going to be Daniel Jones. And I think the series is going to come out victorious. This is the matchup every Giant fan wanted. When they lost that game on Christmas Eve, this is the matchup the, Giant fans, the Giants fans wanted. They did not want to see San Francisco. They wanted to see Minnesota. And they got that matchup. Yeah. They absolutely didn't. You mentioned Daniel Jones and, and the turnovers this year. Yeah, the Giants only had, they only had 16 all year, and that was the second fewest in the league. In the last couple of years, it kind of the Giants have been up there for the most prone kind of turnover teams in the league. So, yeah, you know, Daniel Jones and the rest of the offense has done a really good job of protecting the football this year. And yeah, I think that kind of it, it'll come down to that. You know, um, the Vikings have 23 turnovers on, on the year, and um, yeah, I think you know for Cousins, he's at times he's made some bad throws. I know that's kind of been, you know, again, like her cousin has been a guy that at times will look like an MVP. And at times it looks like you should be on the bench. It's, just, you know, he's been a very up and down quarterback. We yeah, had the way Daniel Jones protect the football this year. 
And yeah, the Giants, you know, that that D rush is really starting to come on, especially Thibodeau towards the end of the season. Yeah, I think that could make a huge difference in this game and and, and how the Giants win this one. Absolutely. Another big thing in this game is that Kirk Cousins is under more pressure to win this game than anyone else. Kevin O'Connell, he's not under a ton of pressure because it's year one. Obviously with the Giants, Brian Dable, he's not under a ton of pressure first year. And, and, and his first year they got to the playoffs. Daniel Jones, it looks like he's going to be back as the starting quarterback. But the player who's under the most pressure is Kirk Cousins. If he can't win this game, that would mean that the Vikings would only have one playoff win in the five years that they signed him. Uh, and and then Viking fans will really doubt, is Kirk Cousins the guy that can lead us in the playoffs? If he loses this game, if Cousins doesn't win this game, there could be a lot of people, a lot of Viking fans are going to doubt if he can lead this team to a Super Bowl. Yeah. And, you know, again, it, it kind of goes both ways because, you know, for, for Cousins, it, you know, they have a pretty good offense. Like, you know, they, they got enough offensive weapons where you could throw a lot of quarterbacks in this league and there's a good chance that, you know, they could lead you to a Super Bowl. I know the defense is not great for him, but yeah, you know, you got Jefferson, you got Adam Thielen still, um, TJ Hawkerson, Dalvin Cook, that's one one of the better backs in the league. So the the Vikings have plenty of offensive talent. So yeah, it it is a fair question to think, you know, if Cousins comes out here and they cannot find a way to win this football game, that yeah, you kind of question it. He's what under contract for another year or two for like 35 million, I think it is. So, you know, I don't know what the whole, you know, situation with the cap hit and all that, or, you know, would somebody take that on a trade? But yeah, it, it definitely be warranted because, yeah, again, that offense has enough talent for him to go out there and get them the Super Bowl. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And I know the defense isn't good, but in 2022, it's still a defense that could get you far. It's still a defense that could get your car. They have some players on it. They got Daniel Hunter. They got Zedarius Smith. Patrick Peterson has had a good year. So the defense isn't good, but it's not, it's not absolutely terrible that you can't make a run. Uh, to the Super Bowl with it. And uh, and looking at the Giants, uh, pre- pretty much, you know, everything from here on out is is gravy. I mean, because, you know, they really did not have a ton expected uh, of them this year. Uh, the biggest thing is, is uh, no matter what happens in the playoffs, I think one thing they know is, is they got their head coach in the future. They got their GM in the future. And I think they got their quarterback in the future. Yeah. The Jones has, you know, played well this year. And I, th- you know, I know that story came out a couple weeks ago about Taylor and yeah, you know, he was making it pretty tough for Daniel Jones this offseason to kind of, you know, um, you know, try to kind of see what you know his final toughness was. And it seems like he's come off that pretty good and um he's kind of you know um exceeded the challenge this year. Cause yeah, you know, and again for all the guys that they've had hurt to this year at wide receiver, um, he's played really well and to give him a chance here in the playoffs. Yeah, I think he's a guy that, you know. Under Brian Dable and what you've been able to see, I think I think you know Dable too could continue to kind of mold them into the type of guy he wants and continue to kind of evolve Daniel Jones and kind of progress him through his career. And yeah, you know Jones this year, you know you mentioned the turnovers too have been way down this year. Um, and yeah, I, I think you know right now I think for the Giants, I think you know sticking with Daniel Jones is probably the best option where you're going to sit in the draft and. You can really for free agency. I think yeah, Daniel Jones, you know, is right now the best choice. Absolutely. He's absolutely the best choice. And I think your franchise safe on Barkley. I think you go with those two guys moving forward. Yeah. Barkley, too, has had a great bounce back year. And that, and that contract year, too, he's really kind of showed it. He's looked like the guy you kind of saw his rookie year, the days back at Penn State. Like, he, he, looks, he looks fresh. And he looks like a guy that, yeah, hasn't been totally healthy the last couple of years. And, 
you could see that he, you know, he he's pretty fresh right now, or you know, he's been fresh, you know, pretty much all year. So yeah, I think for for the Giants to get those two guys back, um, it, it's huge for the future. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Now we will move on to a huge game on Monday night as the Cowboys travel to Tampa to face Tom Brady and the Bucks. And I don't like how either team is co- is going into this game. I think the Cowboys' performance in Week 18 was absolutely pathetic against the Commanders. I thought they looked horrible. I think Dak Prescott looked absolutely terrible. I thought he, he and, and he really hasn't looked that good all season long. Seven, he has thrown a pick in his last seven games. His last, Dak, Dak has thrown a pick in his last seven games. Uh, so, and the Cowboys have not looked great. Uh, even though their their record is twelve and five, the Cowboys are not going into this game looking that good. And then you look at the Bucks, and the Bucks did win two straight. But I mean, look at the, I mean they should have lost to the Cardinals. And then the game against the Panthers, yeah, Brady and and, and uh, Evans look good, but they also only won that game by six points. And, and 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 last week they had no business resting their starters in that game. Zero business resting their starters with the way they have played this year. Those starters should have been playing the entire game against the Falcons. I don't care if someone gets hurt. This is this is not a team that was going to the playoff that, that's going to the playoffs and, and, had, and had the right to rest starters. They had zero right to rest starters last week, but. For this game on Monday night, this was a brutal, brutal game to pick. But I, I just don't trust Dak Prescott right now, and I think he's gonna he's gonna throw a big interception in this game, which is gonna lead to points for Tampa. I think Brady throws a bad interception too. I think this game is close the entire way. I think both teams run the ball, oh, pretty well, but not great. I think both quarterbacks make a mistake in this game, but I think this game comes right down to the end where the score is tied up, and you know who has the ball. Tom Brady has the ball. And this year, the one thing about Tom Brady is, yes, he is not as good this He has not played as, as good this season. He definitely is not an elite quarterback anymore. But if you look at two of the wins the Bucs had, the win against the Rams and the win against the Saints, he brought that team back late in the game. And he also uh, brought the team back. Uh, he also drove the team on a late game score against the Buccaneers, against the Packers. And they, even though they lost, they didn't get a two-point conversion. And he did lead them to a comeback against the Cardinals. So he has been good late in games. But overall, he's not had a great year. Uh, he's, his age is starting to show. But in, in this spot, with the way Dak and the Cowboys are playing, and I think that Tom Brady gets it done at home. I think he wins this game at home. And I got the Bucks beating the Cowboys 23-20 to on Monday night. But, Justin, can Dak lead the Cowboys to their – First playoff win in four years. Now I get the Bucks as well, twenty to sixteen. Uh, I see Hector's comment there. This Monday night that could be a slug fest, and this, it's, yeah, it feels I, like it's gonna be a boring I, game Monday night. They could have, be a, they could have, have had a better game from. Yeah, yeah I, I agree, I agree. But the problem I, is they put these two, these two teams on Monday night for the ratings. You got the Cowboys yeah. and you got Tom Brady. That's why they put these two teams on Monday night. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. You know the that. The money ratings—that's what uh, drives all this, and yeah, where they pick them. So, yeah, you know, it's they could have, could have, but yeah, this is gonna be a. You know, I agree with Hector. This is gonna be this could be a slugfest, a couple turnovers on both sides. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I trust Tom Brady more than I trust Dak Prescott. I even trust Ty Bowles a little bit more than I do Mike McCarthy right now. Um, yeah, you know, in, in your set about Dak Prescott throwing seven interceptions last or throwing interception in his last seven games, he's thrown 11 total. You know, he's he threw 15 this year in 12 games. That's, I just, that, led, that, that led the league and he missed five games. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's not good, obviously. And, you know, 
and again, it's something I wouldn't really expect from him. It just, for whatever reason this year, it just, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't played well. And again, last week, they really couldn't get that run game going. Um, the Bucks are decent against the run. I, I think the Bucks at home, and I just, again, I, you know, I know Tom Brady hasn't been the same this year, but every time kind of, you know, I could see Tom Brady winning a game, maybe even stealing two, maybe stealing two. But, uh, you know, I, I, I just can't trust his Cowboys. They couldn't do anything in week one. I know it, it was week one, but their offense looked horrible then. I think the Bucks defense plays well, and I think they find a way at home. And I, I think Dak's under, you know, uh, Dak, there was a big interception or two in this one and cost the Cowboys. You talk about that week one matchup. That week one matchup, they they were absolutely, the Cowboys were absolutely terrible. They couldn't run the football. They couldn't protect Dak. I think it'll be a little bit different, especially in, especially in terms of protecting Dak because the Bucks didn't have Shaq Barrett. Now the Cowboys have Tyron Smith back. And I'm not saying Tyron Smith is that good anymore, but still it's an upgrade for over, over what they had in week one. So I do think they'll protect Dak a, a, a little bit, but I just, again, I don't, I don't trust the fact that he's not going to turn the ball over in this game. And you're going, I know the bucks aren't that good, but you're going on the road and you're facing our quarterback. That is outstanding. A quarterback that is the best postseason quarterback of all time. Hands out greatest quarterback of all time and greatest postseason quarterback of all time. So uh, and he's at home. And you knew as a Patriot fan, he lost very, very, very few home playoff games. So really the one I could remember is that Jets game. Yeah. And that's really the one, the one game a, I could remember. And the Jets one. game. And then, and then the, the, I think there's only three home games he lost. Only home yeah. three home playoff games he lost. The Jets game, the uh, the Titans. There's obviously those last game was the Titans. And then that game against the Ravens where the entire team didn't yeah. show up. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what happened that evening. Um, But, yeah, um, you know, yeah, Brady's been great at home, you know, in playoffs. And again, you know, he usually doesn't lose a very many, you know, first round games. And you know, Vrabel, Vrabel just knew him inside and out in that Titans one, and that's why they they are often really struggling that one. Um, but yeah, Brady Brady's good, and, and Brady, I know it's not the same guy, but again, I, I can't see Brady if this is his last game, and even this year that he goes out there and just has a complete dud in that offense. Like you know, you're saying too, you know. It looks like maybe Brady and Evans found something. Maybe that you know that week seventeen game against the Panthers there. So maybe they maybe they finally got something going. It's better late than never. And yeah, I just it's just it's tough to completely write off Tom Brady. Yeah, it just every kind of time you you know I know this year more so than than in past years. But usually when you write him off, he comes back and he has a monster game. It's like okay, Tom, you know Tom's back. I know that really has been the case this year, but I can't totally write him off yet. I just can't. And the big matchup, we brought up Mike Evans. The big matchup in this game is going to be Mike Evans against Trayvon Diggs. I think whoever has the better of that matchup wins this game. Uh, I think because you know the Cowboys are going to play man coverage. You know Trayvon Diggs is going to be on Mike Evans most of the game. I feel like whoever wins that matchup wins the game. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, um, Diggs is better this year. You know, and, you know, Evans, and, and thing too, you know, Diggs will kind of play some you know, will be physical with him. And Evans that sometimes kind of lets that get to his head and, you know, can he kind of control that? Cause yeah, if, if they, if, the, uh, if he can get into his head, you know, Evans, you know, maybe shows a bit to kind of, you know, stay invested in all that. So yeah, you know, if Evans has a big day, I think it's going to be very tough for the Cowboys. Um, Cause Evans, but it's also, it's been the drops too this year for Evans. So it, it's gotta, you know, look the ball in and all that. And, you know, Maybe Diggs, Diggs finds a way, you know, bounces off Evans' hands to get an interception and, you know, set it, sets up for Dallas. So, yeah, absolutely, that's going to be a uh, huge match in that game. And obviously the last question we got to talk about is is 
the last thing I'll talk about is, is this a must-win game for Mike McCarthy? And I'm getting the feeling this is. This is. I think if McCarthy doesn't win this game, he's gone. I don't know if he, if he deserves to be fired because he won 12 games in back-to-back years, but I just get the feeling that if McCarthy loses this game, he is going to get fired. Yeah, I, I think so too, which, yeah, it, it, it probably a little bit unfair because Garrett had nine, ten years, and, and yeah. he lasted nine and ten years, and McCarthy only lasted two. But I, they, that that sports and that's the Cowboys and yeah, you know I know, who knows you know I, I could see if, if especially if Jerry thinks he can go out there and go make a run for uh, Sean Payton, I could absolutely see him trying to, uh, you know, get rid of McCarthy and try to bring in Payton. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And the reason Garrett stayed there all that long because Gary and Jarrett were boys. I mean, Garrett was like almost like family that organization. That's why he stayed there as long as he did. But it should be a very very interesting game Monday night between these two teams. But we got to move on to the last game. This actually will be the first game of the postseason, Saturday afternoon as the – let's see we got for a comment. We got Hector. Wild Card Weekend is a rematch for six all six games. Is that a pattern for what's going to come in the playoffs? And, and uh, for, for me, I, I, I don't I, – I, uh, it could be because I got the Giants facing the Eagles in the second round. I got the Bucks facing the Niners in the, uh, in, in, in the second round. I, I also got the Chiefs facing the Chargers. The only one I don't have is obviously the Bills Bengals game. So I think it definitely can be a pattern uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. It, it definitely can be. And, you know, the way the kind of schedule sets off in the NFL, yeah, you know, there, there's always a kind of possibility that you could. But yeah, I don't remember really that all six games are, are a rematch. I, it's, I don't think, I don't, you know, I don't remember that in, in recent years ever happening. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, next next week you, you could have a couple more, you know, um, with, you know, with, because I think too, yeah, the, um, yeah, my, my three too, I think three of the four games would be a rematch as well. So yeah, it, it's something, it, it totally could, um, could be a pattern right now for, for, um, the NFL. It seems like it's setting up that way. Absolutely. 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 So we got to get to the uh, Seahawks and the uh, Niners, the first game. On the, on the playoff schedule, they play at 4.30 on Saturday. And I don't think that – even though this is a division game and both teams know each other, I don't think this is going to be much of a game. I think the Niners are going to control the game on the ground with Christian McCaffrey. I think he's definitely going for, for over 100 yards. I think Brock – I know it's going to be it's going to be a little rainy, but I do think Brock Curry is going to throw a couple touchdown passes. And I think Geno Smith's going to going to, going to throw the throw a couple interceptions. This is just a bad matchup for the Seahawks. The Seahawks defense. And their secondary is pretty good with, with Woolen, with Diggs, with Neal. But their run defense is absolutely horrendous. And Pete Carroll's done a great job with this team. I mean, Geno Smith has, has had a really good year with this team. Pete Carroll should be in consideration for Coach of the Year for what he did. I mean, I predicted the Seahawks would win four games, so I didn't predict the Seahawks would close to this point. But I just think the better team, and even Pete even said in his press conferences, unfortunately, press conference, unfortunately we're facing the Niners. He knows what's coming on Sunday. I think the Niners win this one, and I think they win this one up by three scores. I got the Niners beating the Seahawks 27-10. But, Justin, can the, can the third time be the charm for the Seahawks against the Niners? No, I'm with you. I don't see it happen. I got the Niners as well, 27-13. Um, you know, San Fran's run the ball really effectively all year, and especially against the, the Seahawks. They went for 189 yards in the first one, 170 a couple weeks ago on Thursday Night Football. So I just don't think Seattle's going to be able to stop the run much at all. And, um, you know, for Seattle, they've, they've struggled on third down this year offensively, and they're in the bottom half of the league against a Niners team that's been um, very good all, all, all year defensively on third down. So, you know, if third and long, third and mediums, I think it's to be tough for Seattle to kind of convert. They're going to have to get a lot of third and shorts. And, 
they're going to have to somehow, you know, hope the special teams gets a big play, hope the defense gets a big play, hope they hit something on a busted coverage or something like that, you know, they're going to have to try to find a couple ways to get lucky in this game to really have a shot to go to San Francisco. The way Brock Purdy's been playing, um, I just think it's too much of a battle, uphill battle for the Seahawks to win this game. Yeah, Brock Purdy, 13 touchdowns, uh, five and 13, three interceptions, 5-0 uh, and 0 as a starter. He's playing really, really well for the 49ers. Uh, and I, and then uh, yeah, I just don't see, I just don't see it happening. Seattle's had a great year, but at, as of right now, they just don't have the roster or the quarterback with playoff experience to compete in a game like this. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, you mentioned it's been a great story for Seattle this year. You know, nobody I was there with you. I think I had four or five wins for the Seahawks this year. You know, nobody really saw this year coming for them. You know, Pete Carroll done a really nice job with and Geno Smith. Um, it's been great to kind of see his resurgent he, resurgence here this year and have you know such a great year um but yeah this is just this is just way too much of a challenge for me they uh, they don't have the talent to um they, they just don't have the experience right now to to match up with the um with the niners it just it, it just yeah uh, they're just not there yet i think you know they got some young guys but they're just not it's not they're not ready yet yeah i i i, I totally agree with that i totally agree so we'll move on to the AFC. We got a matchup of two of the best young quarterbacks in football as Justin Herbert faces Trevor Lawrence. And I think this is this is a rematch of a game that the Chargers won th- that the uh, that the Jags won 38 to 10 in week three. But the problem with that game was is Boza got hurt in that game. Uh Justin Herbert was banged up in that game. I think this game is going to be a completely different game. This is going to be a really, really close game. I do think, I do think the uh I do think the Jaguars are going to move the ball with Travis Etienne. I think he has a big game on the ground. I mean, the Chargers have a lot of trouble stopping the run, and I think that continues this week. But I think the difference in this game is going to be when the Chargers and Jags get down to the red zone. I think the Chargers' pass rush is going to get pressure on Lawrence, and it's going to force the Jaguars to kick field goals. And I think when the Chargers get into the red zone, I think they're going to score touchdowns. And there is a chance they might be without Mike Williams, but I think the biggest weapon in this game is going to be uh, is going to be Austin Eckler. I think he's going to be – if if, uh, if Allen's getting taken, if the, Jag, if the, if the Jags focus on Allen, I think uh, – Turber is going to look to Eckler a lot in this game, especially get matchups against those Jaguar linebackers who are not great in coverage. I think he's going to have a couple. I think he's going to have uh, one or a couple touchdown receptions. I think Turber is going to throw a couple touchdown passes. I think this is a close, competitive game. It comes right down to the end. But I got the I got the Chargers beating the Jaguars in a close one, 27-23. But Justin, can the Jags sweep the Chargers this year? I get the Chargers twenty-four to twenty-one. Um... I think they, they got a chance in this one, but I think for Jacksonville, their secondary has got to show up. They were 27 against the pass this year. Um, you know, Justin Herbert's going to spread it around and they're going to be able to rack up some yardage in this one. You now um, for Jacksonville, it's been a really good year for him. It's been nice to see Lawrence um, really kind of form the guy that we thought he would, but um, you know, it went shot, you know, for something for Jacksonville too. The Chargers have only beaten one team this year that's in the playoffs, and that's the Dolphins. And, you know, I could very easily see the Chargers and Brandon Saley just beat themselves going on some dumb fourth down, you know, in a bad spot. You know, I could see them doing something like that, and momentum sparks at Jacksonville, and they find a way to win this game. But I just think Herbert right now um, and that offense just has a little bit too much for Jacksonville, and I think they're able to do enough offensively against that secondary. And they um they they find a way to get by Jacksonville this week. You talked about Brandon Staley. I think there's a just like Mike McCarthy. 
I think Brandon Staley could be coaching for his job this week. If they lose a game where the Chargers beat themselves in, I, I think the Chargers might move on from Brandon Staley, especially again with Sean Payton out there. I think mm-hmm. I, th- I think that that I think there's a very good chance that the Chargers lose this game. They move on from Brandon Staley. Staley, seeing what he did last week. Now, as for the Bucks, I felt like they should have played their starters. The Chargers, really, after the Ravens lost, there was no reason to play their starters because they were playing well going into the playoffs. They had won four straight games. So it's not, they didn't need to play their starters against the Broncos. They did, and they might not have Mike Williams this week. Yeah, that was uh, another bad decision by him. It's, I, I don't really know why starting him there. There was nothing to really gain from that. Um, so yeah, it was just not a good call from him. And as you talk about Staley, I could totally see him be gone. I read an article, this is back in October, November. That's the job that Sean Payton is eyeing is that charger job. So uh, I know he just interviewed for the Broncos one, but back in October, November, I did read that he wants the charger wants like the, 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 the number one form. So absolutely. If they fire, move on from Staley, seems like they, they got a shot for uh, Sean Payton if they want him. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and this is just a game. This is a game I feel like the Chargers are definitely under more pressure to win. Is it's because the Chargers put this team together to, to not lose in the first round. They put this team together to contend for the Super Bowl. They went out and traded for Khalil Mack to contend for the Super Bowl. So this is de- there's definitely more, much more pressure on the Chargers to win this game than, than there is on the Jaguars. Oh yeah, absolutely. The Jaguars, you know, really came out of nowhere, nowhere this year. I know that division's not great, and that did help. But I thought they were playing really well down the stretch here. And it's a the fan base too that you know they're just happy to be in here again. That, you know expectations are gonna start to grow there. But yeah, for that Chargers team, that that team was built. The team was built to yeah. But you mentioned winning a Super Bowl this year. You know Herbert's been really well his first couple of years in the league. They got a ton of weapons offensively. You know they, it's a team that yeah it, it, it's built to get by at least Jacksonville and you know get go win a couple and try to get to a Super Bowl. It's the team on pay, you know paper that you know. They got as much talent as anybody they have seen, but can they really put all together? And, you know, and the coaching too has kind of has hurt them at times too. So yeah. And in injuries, I know they've been bitten by the injury bug as well, but yeah, it's a team that was built to win a Super Bowl this year. Absolutely. 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 And, and for the Jaguars, just a, just a great, a really a great year. Doug Peterson, just like with the giants with Brian Dayball, Doug Peterson has definitely changed the culture and, with with Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence had a good year, and he's proven to be the guy and clearly the best quarterback in the 2021 draft class. Yeah, he has. He's really turned the corner this year. And, and yeah, Peterson's done wonders for, for Lawrence and really helping his development. Um, it's a shame what Urban Meyer did in that, in that team last year because, you know, it's been a different team this year. And, um, and yeah, Peterson's done an amazing job. Dable as well. Um, there's probably what, like 10, 11 candidates you can say for coach of the year. This it's, it's not how many guys you vote for this year for coach of the year. Um, but yeah, Peterson's gonna be up on that list. So yeah, you know, I think this is just the beginning. It's something starting here for uh, Jacksonville. Absolutely. 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 So we got to get to the one o'clock game on Sunday and that's the Dolphins traveling to Buffalo to face the bills. And this might be the most lopsided game of the weekend because of the breaking news or because of the news we just heard that two is not cleared. He won't play in this game. There's a good chance. Teddy Bridgewater won't play in this game. So it looks like it's going to be Skylar Thompson. And if you watch Skylar Thompson last week against the jets, uh, they could, they couldn't, they, pro- they couldn't even score a touchdown an offensive touchdown in that game and a game. They, Desperately needed to win. I think it's going to be a very, very rough day for Skylar Thompson. I think he's going to turn the ball over a couple times. And I think Josh Allen's going to throw a couple of touchdown passes. I got the Bills winning this game at home, and I got the Bills winning this game going away. I got the Bills winning this game 30-10 to 10 over the Dolphins. But, Justin, 
Can the Dolphins get their second win against the Bills this year? I don't see it either now. I had the score originally 23-14, thinking maybe Teddy would play. I didn't think there was any shot two was going to play because it's been three concussions pretty much for him this year. So I didn't think there was any way he was going to go out there. But now, yeah, now I think this is closer to three-score game. Um, as we mentioned, Thompson couldn't do anything last week against that Jets defense. Um, I don't imagine him having much success at all this weekend, especially if they fall behind. You know, they really haven't run the ball either well this year. So, yeah, I, I see this. This this is it's already up. To, I think the line's up to 13 already now after this news. It, so it's already jumped and it may even call even higher. So I think this is going to be a tough one for the Dolphins. I don't they're going to have to um, they're going to have to get a couple turnovers. I put, you know, they've looked the Bills have played better in the red zone the last couple of weeks. They're going to have to try to muck it up like they did you know, back in Miami when they won that game. But I just, now being in the playoffs, I just, I can't see that happening this week. Uh, I don't I don't see their defense being able to stay on the field for 40 minutes and trying to keep their team in this one. Not at all, not at all, not at all. I think this game is a complete blowout. I, I can't I, I, I can't see the, the Bills losing this game at all. No, especially with everything going on, the way they played last week, I just, right now, the Bills right now, them the them, Cincy, and KC right now are in a total mission, and you know, I, the you know, it, you pick either one of those three. Yeah, it's gonna be, it's, it could be a very long day for Miami, especially <laughs> being up in that cold too, and you're getting, you're, you're getting beat too. It's gonna be a long afternoon for the Dolphins. Yeah, I, I agree 100. percent It's gonna be a very, very difficult game for the Dolphins to win. Now, talking about Cincinnati, they had, they will host the Ravens in the first round of the playoffs. And uh, we'll see what happens with Lamar. I mean, Lamar right now is questionable. There's, there definitely is a is a good chance he's not going to play. But Anthony Brown won't start. Tyler Huntley will start if 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 that happens. But in this game, I don't think it's going to matter because even if Lamar don't uh, plays, it's been a month since he's been since since he's played. And it's just going to be very very hard for me to see him keep up with Joe Burrow in this game. I do think the Ravens' defense, though, keeps this game close, and I do think they shut down the running game of the, of the, of the Bengals, which has not been that good this year. Joe Mixon has not had that good of a year. But the difference in this game is going to be the Bengals passing game. I think the Bengals, I think the weather's not terrible in Cincinnati. And I think the Bengals passing game, I think this will be a close game in the first half. I think it's going to be a close game all the way through. But I think the difference in the game is I do think the Ravens move the ball, but they'll kick field goals. And I think the Bengals will score a touchdown. And I think the big reason is because of the passing, the passing game for the Bengals is much better than the passing game for the Ravens. And I think that's going to be the difference in this game. I do think the Ravens will have a shot at the end. But I think just like last year, that Bengals defense will make the stop when it needs to. And I got the Bengals advancing to the second round, beating the Ravens 24 to 16. But Justin, can the Ravens beat the Bengals for the second time this year? Uh, I don't see it either. I got the Bengals well 24 to 17. Um, yeah, I, I read this morning Sunday to be an uphill battle for Jackson to play. So it doesn't seem like it, it's he's gonna play. Give it, you know, sounds like he's not gonna be able to go this weekend. And yeah, the rust factor is gonna be there for not playing for over a month. Um, yeah, you know, and, and the Ravens defense, the secondary hasn't been great all year. But I thought in the two matchups this year, they've done a pretty good job against Joe Burrow in that in that offense. You know, like he hasn't absolutely torched them. So, uh, you know, I, I think Baltimore, yeah, their defense is going to come to play. Um, now, can they get enough stops? I think they're, you know, they've been pretty good against a run. So it'll, it'll make Cincinnati be one-dimensional. Um, but, yeah, I just, with Tyler Huntley starting, I just, I don't see any way how Cincinnati, or Baltimore is going to be out to score. Um, Joe Burrow and that thing goes off. It's, it's going to be very difficult, and they're they're going to need like Cincinnati to kind of shoot themselves in the foot multiple times. And I just don't see that happening this week. 
No, no. And, and, and the thing is, is if uh, yeah, the only way that the the uh, that, that, uh, the uh, Ravens win this game is if Lamar starts. I just don't see Tyler Huntley beating the Bengals, beating Joe Burrow in a playoff game. No, I no. It, what the couple weeks ago, the Ravens they got what three points on the road at. at Cleveland and Cleveland just fired their defensive coordinator. Like I, I just I can't see them going in there and being able to score enough points in this game to um to have any chance to knock them off this week. Yeah, really. I don't think they've gotten to twenty points since Lamar Jackson has uh, has gotten hurt because he got hurt in the uh, he got hurt in, in, in the in the Cleveland he got hurt in the game against Denver and uh, in the yeah. game against uh, in, in the game against the uh, Steelers they only scored sixteen in the game against yeah. the Browns they only scored uh, they only scored three. three. In the game against the Falcons, they only scored 17. In the game against the uh, Steelers, they only scored 16. And in the game against the uh, against the Bengals, they only scored 16. So they have not gotten to 20 points no. uh, since since Lamar has been out. And if you can't get to 20 points against this Bengals team, you're not going to win the game. So there is no way the Bengals will win if Tyler Huntley starts. No, no, absolutely not. Yeah, the them yeah, they they haven't. There's there's just yeah, there's just no way that they they've not been able to put up points. Um, and yeah, against this offense or against that Bengals, you're gonna have to keep up a little bit. And yeah, I just I, I don't see it happen this week. You know that that Denver defense is playing pretty well too. They they've been pretty good this year. So it, it, I just yeah I don't see any chance that the Ravens you know where their offense by themselves score over 20 points. I mean they didn't get there with a special team touchdown or defense touchdown, but themselves there's no chance that they score 20 points or more. Yeah, no chance at all. No chance at all. So we're going to talk about some of the coaching carousel in the NFL. And we're going to start with a disgraceful hiring from the Houston Texans. Another disgraceful hiring. If you thought last year was bad, this was even more disgraceful. The, 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 the Texans hire, fire Lovey Smith after one season having one of the, having the worst roster in football. They did the same thing with David Culley last year. What are they doing giving coaches one year? It makes absolutely no sense. You cannot grow a program firing a coach after one year. You're now going to have your fourth different head coach in four years, Casario has been a total disaster as the general manager of the of the Texans, and they need to think about firing him because there's there's no stability. You can't you can't win in this league with uh, with with continuing to change coaches year after year after year. And I know last year they wanted to hire Josh McCowan, but it wasn't a good look for the league. So I, I mean, I mean, the Texans are just an absolute mess of an organization, and I feel bad for whoever if C.J. Stroud has got to go there or Bryce Young. Because that organization is the worst in the league right now. Yeah, it's a total train wreck. The only thing Sarah Allen's done well there is um, is accumulate some draft picks. That's about it. It's that that's about all. Yeah, you, know, you mentioned. I forgot about the McCowan stuff. That that may be why. Hey, not not they feel like maybe uh blows blows over into this year, and they're gonna hire him now. I maybe that's they maybe that's their thinking. I don't I don't know, but I would go. You know, I just. Yeah, the Texans, I, I don't get a, you know, because, yeah, why would you hire Lovey for just one year here and then get rid of him? But it's the same thing with, with Coley last year. Just why don't you just keep him? It just, it, it, it makes total no sense. The Texans, again, I have a, I, you know, them and the Broncos are, I think, the two worst kind of where they are positioned right now in the league. They're right there. And I just, I, I feel bad, yeah, for, Whatever quarterback shot or young goes there because it, it's going to be rough. And maybe, you know, Mechie comes back hopefully next year, keep healthy. And I don't know, but yeah, it's just right now, it, it's it's a horrible look for the Texans. It's not shocking because they've 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 done they've done uh, you know, stuff like this, you know, in the past. You just don't know what they're doing at times. 
Yeah, if you don't want to hire the coach, don't hire the coach then. Don't hire him. If you don't want to hire him, don't hire him. Don't just hire him for one year and then fire him. It makes you look terrible. It just makes you look incompetent. And this organization is just flat out, just flat out incompetent. Yeah, they have been. I know they've had some playoff teams and getting the league, but yeah, it's just, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just been, they just, it seems like a front offense. They have no idea what they want to do, what kind of, you know, direction they want to go with the coaches. Yeah, it's it's not hell. It's not it's not good. You know, you don't even, you know, especially you know, you go to Kyle's now. It's I know coaches are getting fired in two years, but it's like you know, it, it, it's tough to really you know make a guy. It's it's tough to build a culture in one year. I you know some guys can do it, some can't, but especially a roster like that, it's going to take more than one year to build a culture. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So now we'll go to another coach who got fired on Monday, and that is uh, Cliff Kingsbury. I think we saw this one coming. We completely saw this one coming. I mean, this you didn't like this hire from the beginning. I started to buy into this hire, you know, a couple years that he was in, but I started to question it when they started to collapse last year, and then this year we kind of knew it was over for him. You saw the spats with uh, Kyler Murray and him on the sidelines. It was not a good situation in Arizona at all this year. And, uh, yeah, this was a guy that was under 500 in college that got a coaching job. And and, and, and and they fired a coach after one year, a coach that has actually done really well in Carolina, who I think should have a chance to get that job now, and Steve Wilkes. They fired Steve Wilkes after one year to hire this guy. Poor move yeah. by the entire organization. Yeah, it, it, it's a horrible look right now. Um, yeah, that, that hire at the time, yeah, Clint's – Again, it's the same things I saw at Texas Tech. Pot start just has no idea how to close out a game. Um, I've said it multiple times. Brilliant offensive mind has blocks out everything else. I think around him in the football game that, that you can't be a head coach like that. It just it, it was horrible. Yeah, the, you know him and Murray in the sidelines again. I don't know. I know he got the playoffs last year, but come on, the way they finished. How do you give him an extension? The way he finished oh, in the way they lost in that playoff game. Horrible. And of course, they yeah. hand their quarterback an extension too. Even though the quarterback deserves it more than him, uh, they just—they're just handing—they were just handing out extensions like uh, like crazy last year. And look at what happened—they had a disastrous, disastrous season uh, for this team, four and thirteen. But they had outside of the Bears, they had the second worst record in the NFC. So yeah, and, and and the thing is with Kingsbury, as we were talking about the Texans, if the Texans don't trade, imagine the Texans don't trade DeAndre Hopkins to the Cardinals. He's probably gone. Uh, he, he probably doesn't even stay four years as an NFL head coach. No, actually, I forgot about that. Yeah, he's probably not. He's probably gone last year. They don't. I don't think they make the playoffs last year without without him. So, yeah, he probably would have been going in three years. It just yeah, because he had some big games last year for him. It's just yeah, that, Kingsbury that offense, especially this year, they just never really figured it out. I know Hopkins, you know, was you know suspended. Murray going down with the um, ACL injury, but yeah, it just seems like you know. That, that it just it just ran its course and yeah Arizona uh, total whiff on that one I, I understood why they tried it but it's just again you just saw Texas Tech you're just he he blocks out everything besides the offense it feels like and and again that's why he's just he's, he's just he's a very good offensive coordinator he just he just does not know how to cannot be a head coach can't absolutely uh, yeah I mean, he definitely was he definitely was not a good head coach for the Cardinals. But, Actually, I what did you say? I'll say this quickly. Yeah. I take him to be the Patriots offense coordinator. Oh, yeah. right now, absolutely. No question. And he has and he has a connection to Belichick. He was on that 2003 team, so absolutely, I would definitely think about taking him as the offensive coordinator of the Patriots. He he's not a great he's not a good head coach, but he would no. be 
much better than Matt Patricia, and and he would get much more out of Mac Jones than Matt Patricia did. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I, I would love to have a guy like that. So I'll take him to the OC. I know I destroy him, but if he wants to come on and be the OC, fine with me. I'll, I'll take him any day. We got. I, I'd like to see what he could do with our offense. Oh, can't oh, get much oh, worse. Oh, oh. oh, absolutely. Yeah, your offense was absolutely terrible this year, and that's the reason why the Patriots missed the playoffs. But Carlos Correa has found a home. He's, he's, he's going back to his old team. But before we talk about that, we're going to hear from friends at JPEG Financial and Shamrock Home Inspections. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEG's Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. There's no bigger investment than home ownership. And to make sure the house is up to your standards, you need a professional to look it over. Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections is a licensed home inspector and a member of the Connecticut Association of Home Inspectors. Brian was a contractor for over 15 years, so he knows how homes should be constructed and how mechanicals should work. What makes me a good home inspector was the 20 years that I was a home improvement person all the different repairs that I have done and what other people have done wrong that I had to go out and fix. So I have a pretty quick eye on seeing what's right and what's wrong. Before you move, call Shamrock Home Inspections. Before you make the biggest investment of your life, call Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections at 860-268-2566 or visit shamrockhomeinspectionct.com. So uh, the, uh, the the Carlos Correa has finally found a home. I know he's going back to the uh, Minnesota Twins on a six-year, two hundred million dollar deal. And uh, the big story here is not the Twins; it's the Mets, who spent a lot of time trying to re-sign him and uh, they're trying to sign him. They thought they had him. Uh, they had concerns about his about uh, his ankle, uh, and now they end up losing him. And uh, this is kind of disappointing for them. I know, you know. Th- it might help them in the long run, but in the short term, this is disappointing for them because they missed out on Rendon. They missed out on signing Chris Baxter, who they could have signed. And uh, right now, uh, the big question is: is are the are where are the Mets in the in the in the in the in the, in the NL East? And I think it's clear they're the third best team in, in the division. Yeah, I'm with you. I I had them first, but now yeah, I got to go third. I think Korea the big loss. You know, now you got to start Eduardo Escobar over that third or um, Brett Brady, one of their top um, third base prospects. So. I, yeah, I, I think this kind of shifts them to third with the Braves and the Phillies. I, yeah, even with Harper being out till right around July, I still think yeah, it'll, it'll be tough for the team to finish third. Cause it's, as we talked about a lot the last couple of weeks, it's a tough to, um, I know this is a really tough division. That's going to be a battle. And, and yeah, I think it, 
you know, and you got Scherzer and Verlander, but they're both 40. I don't know if you can expect them both to make, I know they've been usually pretty healthy, but I don't know if you can bank on and make 30 starts each. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think they probably both will probably have trouble staying healthy. And and you look at the lineup, the Braves lineup. I know they lost Anthony Swanson, but that's still better. And the Phillies lineup with Bryce Harper. I know he's going to miss some time, but with Bryce Harper, might be the best in baseball. So I think, yeah, I think they're behind those two teams. And I think right now in the NL, I think they make the playoffs, but they're one of the, they're either the second or the third wild card. I think there's a very easy chance. There's a good chance their season will end the way it did last year. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, I think they sneak in, get one of the wild card spots. But yeah, I just I don't see them going anywhere. Maybe if you got Verlina one two and they're both on their game, absolutely, I could see them move on. But yeah, even if they do, I don't see them getting past the division series. I think you know, I I, I don't see that happening. So yeah, I think more than likely the wild card they get knocked out. But I could see them getting a get, finding a way to get there to the division series, but not getting get, not going any farther. Now, looking at the Twins' angle on this, and the big question for them is, is are they the best team in the AL Central with them coming back? And I don't think so. I don't. I still think the Guardians are. The Guardian, the Twins didn't improve their team. It's pretty much the same thing. They're pretty much they're the same team, getting Correa. They would have been worse if they didn't have Correa because they didn't end up signing Dansby Swanson or Xander Bogart. So I think right now, I think the Twins the Twins are still are, are still not the best team in the AL Central. That's the Guardians. No, I'm with you. I got Guardians 1, White Sox 2. Yeah, you know. They brought in, you know, um, Vasquez, that catcher, Joey Gallows, we had a new left fielder. But, yeah, you know, Gio, Gio's a free agent. Um, they haven't brought him back yet. You know, and I don't, you know, first base, I think, um, I forget who's going to be the first base in this year. So, I, um, Eric Kirloff's going to be the first base. And so, I, I just, I don't, I don't really like that, yeah, the twin team. Sonny Gray had a nice year, and, um, Joe Ryan did at the one, two spots in the rotation, but yeah, I think they're the third best team right now in the, in the um, AL central. And the big question is, are they a playoff team? I don't think there are either. You look at the AL East, they might get four teams in the playoffs with the, with the, obviously with the, with the, with the Yankees, Rays and Blue Jays and the Orioles could get to the playoffs this year. And then you look at the West, they definitely are going to have the Astros, probably the Mariners again. And then Texas did a lot this off season too, to improve their team. So I, I, I think right now, I, I, I don't think the twins are a playoff team either. No, I'm there with you as well. I just have yeah, the Rangers. I think we'll pass them this year. Yeah, I, I think right now I put them at nine right now in the, in the American League. I think, you know, Texas and, and Tampa Bay on those last two spots in the wild or Tampa, Tampa seven and Texas eight. I just, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think they have enough right now. And yeah, I know they're, you know, White Sox and Cleveland's be tough in their division. So yeah, I, I don't, you know, I see that team being a couple games under 500 and obviously that won't be enough for them to get in. Yeah, it, 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 it definitely won't be. So we'll wrap up the show talking about Georgia winning its second straight national title on Monday night as they crushed TCU 65 to TCU 65 to 7. And looking at that game, Georgia dominated the whole way. I am a little bit critical of the way TCU played that game. I think they didn't make any adjustments on defense when Georgia was moving the ball up and down the field on them. That 3-3-5, they needed to adjust. They needed to get a fourth guy on the line of scrimmage. If you're going to beat a team like Georgia, you got to make adjustments. You can't just do what you did. You got to make adjustments. And I just didn't think the TCU made really any adjustments. And I didn't think they ran the ball enough to start the game. I think they got scared without Kendra Miller that they couldn't run the ball against Georgia. So they wanted to you do what Ohio State did. Well, the difference is Ohio State had CJ Stroud and Marvin Harrison Jr. 
and they have more depth at receiver than you. You don't have the depth at receiver that they have, and you don't have the quarterback that they have. So I thought it was a poor game plan on offense by TCU to start, and I think TCU didn't make adjustments, and that resulted in a blowout. You texted me when the, when when uh, TCU was going up and down when uh, uh, Georgia, Georgia was going up and down the field. If they don't make an adjustment, they're going to give up 100 points, and if Georgia wanted to, they probably would have scored 100 points. Yeah, I don't know if you uh, listened to Kirby Smart uh, pregame. Um you know, meeting with the team, like, right before we went out there. I'm surprised they didn't. For what he was saying, I'm surprised they didn't put up 100 on him. Um, but, yeah, you know, you're telling me, too, about, yeah, that 3-3-5 three, that three, three, defense, which is – they didn't stand a chance. That's why – I know – so I'll save what I'm about to say for kind of the next part or the next question. But, yeah, Georgia just absolutely throttled them. They did whatever they wanted. They could have yeah, absolutely put up 100 on them. I'm like, their backups were doing – their, their backups were moving up and down the field on them with ease, you know? And, yeah, Duggan just didn't even say – the minute he got the snap, there were three guys in his faces. There was just not much for him to do. Um, you know, he's all over the place. And, yeah, they couldn't really get the ball. You know, they, they shut down Quinn Johnson. Um, they just – they didn't stand a chance in that one. Georgia, Brock Bowers was, was unbelievable. Bennett played really well. But, yeah, as you mentioned, that 3-3-5, three, three, there was nobody in his face all day. He – he seriously had all day and he took off a couple of times and, um, you know, a couple of rushing touchdowns for him. So yeah, the, the Georgia team just absolutely throttled them. And yeah, it thing wasn't even close. I, I thought TC could put up some points, but man, they, they, that, that you'd see very early. They did not stand a chance in that game. And, and that thing got ugly quick. Yeah. And I think the big question is for Georgia, uh, have they surpassed Alabama as the best program in college football? And I'm going to say no. I still think Alabama is the best program in college football because I know Alabama didn't win the national championship the last two years, or even, or, or uh, even you know, even like I think they have one national title in the last five years. But in 2018, they got to the national championship game. In 2021, they got to the national championship game, and this year they lost two games to two SEC schools on the road by by one by one point and one by a, on a game-winning field goal. I still think that Alabama is still the best program in college football, but Georgia is second. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, <laughs> Pollock saying that right in for, right next to Nick Saban went in, I think it was right. That was the most that? interesting thing. Yeah, that was the most interesting oh, thing from the game. Yeah, yeah that night. was. Yeah. Even, oh, yeah, that was. I mean, I think Saban's ready to give him a haymaker on that one. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I tell you, Alabama, again, yeah, they lost the two games, you know, this year. And, and then also – Again, last year, Jamison Williams doesn't tear his ACL. That that was a difference maker in that game. You know, oh, I think, Alabama, I think they would have won that game against Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, so Alabama possibly wins that one. And then, like, even, uh, you know, so, you know, it'd be one, you know, so it'd be, like, George first one. But I, I'm right, but I'm also with, you know, Georgia's a future college football. Whenever Saban, you know, is, is ready to retire, because I think he's 70 now, I believe he just turned 70 October. You know, George is going to be the future of college football. Oh, oh, oh yeah. listen, when Saban, when Saban leaves, I will say they are. But as long as Nick Saban's there, I st- and, and and Bama plays at a high level, and Bama is still a still playing at a high level. It's not like the Patriots when Brady left, when they went from a great team to an average team. Bama is still a top program in college football. So, so yeah, right now, I still think Bama is. But once Saban retires, I'd put George as the number one program. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you, with, with them. And, and, and Bama, I think, just signed their – best class ranking wise of all time too. So yeah, they're not going anywhere again. If, if Saban can go find a wide receiver, that's a difference maker that can kind of really go stretch the field this off season. 
And yeah, Alabama's gonna be right back there. We'll see what Melrose got, but I, I especially after Pox comments, I, I Nick Saban next year is going to be ready to um absolutely <laughs> blast anybody in front of him. And uh yeah, it, Georgia's schedule, I think that very good chance that'll be a collision course in Atlanta because it's Georgia's schedule. Oh. And <laughs> let me tell you, Saban has that game circled on his schedule because he hasn't played them since he lost them in the national title game. That game is circled on Nick Saban's schedule. And let me tell you this year. He is not – let me tell you, coming next year, he is not going to let Alabama not play in that game. He is going to make sure Alabama is there playing Georgia in that SEC title game. Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe this offseason was a little bit too much on Jimbo. Maybe the Jimbo kind of stuff, uh, you know, took and over a little a bit. national title game, there might have been a hangover yeah. there too. Yep, that, that's possible too. So we, and, yeah, now the way they played in the Sugar Bowl, that's the best game they played all year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I expect Alabama next year to just – you know, be be back to the Alabama we we've always known, and oh yeah, I, you know that game next year. Hopefully, we get in the SEC championship game. Um, we'll, we'll be a great one. Yeah, I, I think right now Alabama is just still kind of at the top of the hill sitting there. But Georgia, Georgia's been gaining ground the last couple of years. Kirby Smart's done an unbelievable job. Um, absolutely. But yeah, a lot of these Nick Saban assistants lately haven't been great, but Smart's been, Smart's been one of the outstanding. Ones. Outstanding. And yeah. the thing is, is not just the last two years. I mean, he, you go back to 2017, he was very close to winning that national title. 2018, he lost that tough SEC title game. He just couldn't get over the Bama hump. But once they got over that Bama hump, they've been they've been they've been outstanding. They've they they have been unbeatable. Yeah, they they, they have. Um yeah, because yeah, they just again it was just like he got, you know, yeah, the Kirby one first couple of times they played Bama, yeah. If it's the Kirby kind of got his own head and was trying to do too much to beat him. After, you know, it was, and he finally, I think, just got to the town level. He was like, I don't have to do some of that stuff like that. And he's just, yeah, they've, they've kind of just steamrolled. Um, even though I don't like, I don't know, I think it was Jalen Carter was saying, it's like, yeah, you know, people were saying we're going five, seven to five. We had to prove wrong. I'm like, oh, stop it. Stop it. You said you were going seven you to five. Stop it. You, 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 the, the, the people had you, I don't think they had you winning the national title, but they had you in, <sighs> in Atlanta playing Alabama. This oh. year in the preseason, come on, stop it with that whole thing. Maybe they had to lose into maybe you know Kentucky or ten or, or, or Tennessee. Oh no, they had to lose in those games. They had you going undefeated and playing and going to Atlanta. Come on now, seven and five. Give me a break. Yeah, I'm like I I, I, I'm like, I don't buy that one. I don't know who who told you guys that, but yeah, I, you know it, it, it just that they just steamrolled again. I I guess they use that some motivation. I don't know where they got that from, but they they didn't. Yeah, Kirby's just done an unbelievable job. But yeah, I still. Alabama still got to be the cream of the crop, you know, Smart's done an unbelievable job. And again, and Smart too kind of said today or yesterday, he's like, you know, we're going to make some changes. We're going to, you know, we're going to continue to adjust because you, you got to be able to adjust. And I think that's the big thing of where some of these coaches, Jimbo Fisher, you know, exhibit A, it's, you, you got to develop. And he actually yep. brought in uh Viper Trino. So that, that, that'll be very interesting. Really, yeah. really ship at Kyle station, but that, that, that's the thing. You always got to adjust. And, I think too that's that's been a huge part uh, of two of how smarts kind of last couple of years it seems just it's just steamrolling everybody that's in the way. Exactly. Now, one final thought, final final question is: Did TCU belong in that game? And I'm going to say yes. Now, if they got crushed to Michigan in the semifinal, I'd say they didn't belong. They wouldn't have belonged in the playoff. But they beat Michigan in one of the best college football games of the year. That was just a really, really, really bad day for TCU. It was a great, it was a great year that ended on a really bad day. I personally think yes, they did belong in that game. Uh, just it was just a really, really bad you, uh, just a bad, really, really bad day for TCU. But I think they belonged in the game. I'm like saying the Broncos didn't belong in the Super Bowl when they played the Seahawks. 
I mean, they, they just had a they just had a terrible game, and I just think for TCU, the moment was just too big for them. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, I I, I think they definitely deserve there again that semifinal game. You know, yeah, you know, they had four or five guys that's ever played in a pool game. Like they, they just, yeah, a lot of those guys just did not. You know, it, it, yeah, the moment was just too big. I think you know, um, it, it just it got it was too overwhelming for him, and you know, Georgia just suffocated him. You know, and yeah, I know people were upset, but it's like be mad at Michigan then, because yeah, Michigan's got to beat Michigan could have done the same thing Georgia did. That's yeah, what I think. Exactly. Get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beat them. Michigan should have beat them. Beat them. Yeah. Beat them. They they should have. I I don't understand why they 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 you know they for whatever reason I you know they didn't have a good game plan. Yeah, I think it was a bad day for TCU, and I know people are out there saying Alabama's got the four, but it's like you want to say that, but Alabama didn't look like the fourth best team all year. You can't say that. Like, you can't put them in because you think they are. That's not really how this thing's supposed to work. So, I think TC was deserving. Again, the I, Big 12 is a good con- – from top to bottom, that's a great – again, it's – depth-wise, it's better than the SEC. I, it absolutely is. I, I think the SEC is a little bit deeper, but you have a point with, like, depth-wise is better than the Big Ten. Yeah. I would say that. Yeah, the depth-wise, yeah. It, yeah, because I guess it, well, the SEC's got, like, seven or eight. The only thing is, I could see, like, if you put some of those – Big 12 team, the SEC, I think they'd have six or seven ranked weekly as well. But, um, yeah, I just, again, they don't, they don't have a doormat in that conference in the Big 12, you know, because, you know, Kansas was good this year. So I think they proved their way that they deserve to be in there. Um, but yeah, it just, it was a bad day. It was just a totally bad matchup for TCU. And they just, you could just see, they just didn't have the speed or they just didn't have the guys up front to really bother Georgia. And um, it was just they, – they just didn't – they didn't have the athletes that Ohio State did, as you mentioned, where they could go up down the field with them and be able to score. They, they just didn't. They absolutely, they, they absolutely didn't. They, they, they absolutely didn't. But still a phenomenal season for GCU. But that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with RJ For Justin D'Onofrio, I'm Steve Risser. We will be back next week talking about the divisional round of the playoffs and any NBA news that – NBA news or college basketball news that comes our way. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley. And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him. He taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Fins two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Hello, my name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Man. And great true crime shows like Sticky Meek, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Bird, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.